What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know, the 90s is not exactly known as the golden age of comic books, but I think whenever you grow up reading comics in a certain area, it is your personal golden age. So we're going to be returning to my personal golden age of the 90s in a, what is a somewhat iconic uh, Spider-Man issue today that we'll be looking at. But before I do that, I got to bring in, as always, my partner in comic book crime here on the Second Print Comics podcast. He is the one and only, I believe. Actually, there's two of you because your dad has the same name. There's at least two. Remzo Martinez. What's up, Remzo? We found three other Remzos, old Remzo, prison Remzo, and possibly a fake Remzo. Is prison old, Remzo like prison Mike? Prison Remzo is kind of like prison Mike, except he's in prison for a murder he committed in San Juan in the early 2000s. Is and it tormented old, by the Dementors? I don't know, but old Remzo is dead from COVID. So uh, the Council of Remzos has shrunk drastically the last few years. The multiversal Remzos? Yeah. I'd like to see the Egyptian Remzo. Remzo Tut, I believe. I would like to see that. I'd like to see Dog Remzo. I'd like to see a Robot Remzo. I'd I'd like to see all of them. Cricket, little cricket. See, he's a little cricket, little cricket Remzo. Yeah. But what I've noticed is that, like, what I've noticed is, like, all my other versions who I've found online are all worse people than me or have worse luck than me. High standard Remzo. I think I am Remzo Prime. All right. Well, let's hope so. I hope I got the prime version anyway. I hope so. Certainly too. paid prime prices. Uh, that being said, Ramzo, before we dive into today's issue here on SPC reissued, do you want to promote some stuff? You're you're the marketing guy around here. We've got so much shit coming your way. The Generate panel is back this upcoming Sunday for something we are calling the Generate Theater. 3000. That's right. What we do is we take movies that we can legally go ahead and stream online. And me and the panel of Maru Sean, not producer Derek, and one quarter Persian Zed go ahead and lampoon them like your early days in college. This week we are covering our Robocop movie. It's a fan film put by like 30 college directors about 10 years ago. And what they did was they all took scenes from Robocop 
and they redid that redid them in like stupid ways. One of them is a scene where it's uh it's all claymation. Another scene is when RoboCop is getting murdered by that guy from that 70s show and they do it through interpretive dance. <laughs> they have an all chick version. They have an action figure scene. It is one of the weirdest freaking things you will ever see online, but it is so good. You cannot pass up this opportunity to watch the entire thing with us from start to finish. And that could be an experience that you can enjoy while also supporting the show at patreon.com slash second print pod. Well, I know that teaser's got me itching to see it. I'm lucky. I don't have to actually pay to, to watch the stuff. But the rest of you normies out there, as little as five measly bucks a month uh, nowadays, that's the price of an issue of Batman or Superman. At least an issue of Batman or Superman. Actually, it's a little less after tax. because we. So, yeah, yeah, take it for what you will. But, yeah, we've got that coming up. We've got our monthly gym call right after this live recording. So all that and more for the measly price of what used to be two comics when I was growing up. It was three for me with change. Damn. Yeah. Hello, darkness, my old except friend. For, except for the case of today's issue that we're going to be looking at. Again, this is Amazing Spider-Man number 375. Do you have any idea when this was published, Renzo? This was published in 19... I'm not going to look at it to find the answer. I'm going to say 1996. Wow, you are not... Uh, you're, you're somewhat off. 1993. 1993. Yeah, the decade, right? I'll give you that. And this was a time... Now, I'll, I'll show you this cover here. I actually have the original in the vault in Connecticut with the... This was actually like a gold... Uh, one of those shiny, fancy gold covers because it is, of course, a 30th Oh, the anniversary. foil covers, that type of stuff. Did it? Was it, was it like 3D too? Would you move it if you moved it with uh, the picture change? I don't think this one was one of those. Like those X-Men's Fatal Attraction covers all had mm -hmm. that little 3D thing. This was just a kind of a, not not just glossy, but um, I don't know. It's There was like, a, it, was, it was shiny, Remzo. It was like a mirror cover. Anyway. Oh, I've got that for the Spider-Man 30th anniversary. The holographic that's, that's covers. His. That's what it is. Holographic. This is. this is part of the Spider-Man 30th. And it's the 30th anniversary of Amazing Spider-Man number one. And also it's number 375. So yeah, I've got the one of the hollow cover where he looks all silver and shit. That yeah, that's cool. this. Well, I don't know if it's the yeah. same one, but it's it's very similar to the to the one I'm talking about. Like that. Yeah. Anyway, this uh, is I'm a excited though. I even wore my freaking We Are Venom t-shirt. Oh, nice from the Venom movie. Well, that's quite so appropriate. Let's do it. Because this does feature what is being billed as the final confrontation between uh, Spider-Man and Venom. Obviously, this would not They're be very loose of that term. Yeah, final is a, is very very loose. Death in the MCU. We'll see you in a year, Miss Marvel. Exactly. So, uh, not only is this sort of a a, a pinnacle moment, it, while it is not their final confrontation, of course, it is sort of the fi their final confrontation with. Venom Eddie Brock as a true super villain. This is really, it's what I would call Eddie Brock's face turn. And just like in 90s pro wrestling, a lot of times in 90s comics, the characters that gained a lot of popularity were the ones that were often acting in somewhat villainous ways. And uh, as with any good villain, you know, any good villain kind of thinks they're the hero anyway. So when pushed that just right and if you add just enough of an element of sympathy uh you can very easily turn a villain into 
a uh, into a somewhat of a hero or an anti-hero, if you will. And in 90s wrestling, again, I'm always going to reference wrestling. We saw so much of this where the guys acting bad would start getting cheered by the audience because they were so cool. And then you put them in some compromising situation. You get you have them attacked by uh, by a larger group or something like that. You do something to build a little sympathy and then boom, the the seed has been planted and we're ready for the face turn. And, and this was truly Venom's face turn because right after this, this was this issue served as a lead in to his first min- miniseries, uh, the Venom Lethal Protector miniseries, which is his first sort of shot at, at having its own title. And when you have your own title, whether you're quote unquote the face or the heel, you are the lead character and uh, you are meant to be sort of the draw of the book. So I think this is the first shot at giving what was had become a popular villainous character uh, a shot at sort of being his own thing. And often this stuff does fall flat on its face. But uh, in the face, in the case of Venom, uh, this is a character that certainly sustained or pro- possibly even increased his popularity over the decades. Yeah, we're in a weird position right now because when you look at the first Venom uh, movie release in like 2019, I think that's when it was 2018, 2019, whenever Infinity War came out, that was when Venom was probably at his most popular because that was a movie that no one really anticipated to do well. And it broke box office records that summer. Uh, Fans really loved it. And then we had that amazing uh, Venom series. Who was writing it? It wasn't. It wasn't Ewing. It was Cates. It was Donnie Cates. It was leading up uh, to the Man in Black limited series. That was when Venom was King probably one of the best titles. The Man in Black Marvel. is Will Smith. And, this yeah. is the King in Black. King in Black. That was it. Uh, Venom was at the top of Marvel sales for years. And then it was around the time that Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage, came out. They just kind of dwindled. So now we're we're doing this episode at a time where they've gone ahead and announced that Venom 3 should be coming out next year. We've got the guy who plays Baron Mordo from the MCU set to play a villain in that movie. So while the current Venom title seems to be going down and while Venom anticipation seems to be going down, he just keeps coming back. He is he is on par with a lot of major heroes now, and they're going to be doing another like summer of Venom event soon. I mean, do, when you when you look at Venom, having grown up when he was just introduced to seeing where he is now, did you ever think he would go from a Spider-Man villain to being somebody who's not only headlining his own movies without Spider-Man? but it's taking over cross title events years and years back to back. It's hard to say what I w- would have really thought at the time, because this, when I first started reading comics, uh, our, one of our great patrons, Eric, he, I mean, it was literally uh, an issue of Spider-Man fighting uh, carnage. And that really struck me as visually. And that's when I got into this, which of course, Venom was, was involved in that whole storyline as well. So to me, when I came into comics, Venom seemed like a really big deal from the beginning. Uh, so it wouldn't have seemed really crazy to me at all, I think, to, to tell me Venom was, was going to be this huge character because I didn't know enough about comics to maybe have that sort of those seeds of doubt planted. Of course, if a character like Venom showed up now and you told me in 30 years this character would be this big, I'd say probably not. Uh, so I think it is a testament to, uh, well, really to the creator of the character, who is uh, Todd McFarlane, uh, Todd McFarlane, uh, but Bud. And, uh, you know, this is a look, he, he created not just just a a a character with like you know a decently cool origin but tied to a major hero but he made a visually cool character and at the end of the day comics is a visual medium and venom's look is is simple yet so effective i mean it's really just the black spidey 
symbiote suit, but with bigger muscles and way scarier looking, uh, almost sort of channeling a little bit of like Riddick Scott's alien with the with the teeth and the mouth. And it's simple, effective, and it's sustained itself over time because of the coolness of the character and because they have also treated the character as a big deal really since this issue. I would say that Marvel, I'm sorry, I would say that Venom is the last truly authentic Marvel creation that was good at all. Because really think about it. After that, who do you have? Miss Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Miles Morales, your boy. I would still rank him also way below. Also a Spider-Man Venom. knockoff. I would still I would still rank him below Venom. Like way low. Way low. What Good, about, but like, about, you know, man. what about justice from the guardians of the galaxy 3000? He came out a little bit before that. <laughs> he might've, I don't know. I think either did. way, it's a joke mention. Uh, yeah, but either way, I think we agree that venom is for a, a myriad of reasons has become, you know, really one of the longer lasting quote unquote new characters for Marvel. Now, obviously uh, this character is over 30 years old, not exactly new, uh, but in the grand scheme of things, he's not a legacy character. He's not yeah. from a, an original silver age character. He's a modern, modern age character that has sustained itself to be right, right on the same uh, tier as the, the modern characters. I mean, he, you could even argue he's not more popular than Spider-Man, but he's he's right he's right up there. I mean, it depends think, on the day of the week. Yeah, it might depend on the day of the week as well. So that being said, we now dive into Amazing Spider-Man number three seventy-five, from July nineteen ninety-three by David Michelini, and penciled by I believe I've heard you say is this your favorite Spider-Man artist, Mark Bagley? Hail to the yeah. It's hard to argue. I mean, uh, there's a case for Todd McFarlane. There's a case for Eric Larson, and there is absolutely a strong case for Mark Bagley. I think and and a Ramita Jr. case or Ramita Senior. And I think think they're all awesome. I think John Ramita Jr. specifically would be my number two underneath uh, Bagley. But I mean, I I will always be a sucker for his uh, his ultimate Spider-Man run. Without thinking about it too deeply, Bigley would at least be in my top three. I'm not, not in possibly even my top one. I might have McFarlane at, as number one just because his top McFarlane. Is to it me, sad that Steve Ditko wouldn't be in my top five? Uh, you know, he probably should be, I guess. But uh, and a, look, a lot of this is on, on the product of, the, of my time. So I grew up yeah. in the 90s and those are the the hot artists of the time. I, I certainly look, none of them, none of them happened without Steve, Steve Ditko. So he certainly deserves to be on, on a list somewhere. Yeah, for sure. Uh, that being said, we start off, this is sort of picking up a storyline from last issue, uh, number 374, which you can go read yourself if you want on the Marvel Unlimited app. We're not going to really discuss that here today, but that did result in Eddie Brock as Venom kidnapping the parents of Spider-Man? What do you mean the parents? I thought Spider-Man's parents were killed when he was younger or something like that. Remzo, what can you tell me about Spider-Man's parents? In 30 <laughs> this, seconds or less. Probably the worst part of the 90s of all these Spider-Man. These ain't his parents, because if worst you want to be upset clones. about something, you could be about uh, sad about the fact that they are clones created by the Red Skull. They were according to them as they suddenly walk back into Peter's life, as uh, Aunt May is undergoing health issues, as his marriage of Mary Jane is not going all that great. His parents show back up, say that they were agents for uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. and the CIA, and that they were on this giant dastardly dangerous mission to fight the red skull and some evil Russians. They had to go ahead and fake their own death to protect Peter because they were afraid that the red skull would go after him. Long story short, none of that seems to be fucking true. It was a whole other type of thing. Clone (laughs) nonsense. I'm going to save you a lot of headache. 
My favorite thing in comics is, uh, and that is like a description of something where you, you you go on for a minute and then you say, that being said, everything I just said didn't even happen, it turned out, because that happens in comics all the time, the retconning, the lore. Uh, nonetheless, at this time, Peter does believe these are his regular old parents that were kid. I think they were like kidnapped by the Russians or something and then got out was the story at this time. But they, it doesn't it matter. <laughs> It doesn't matter. None of it, it matters. It truly doesn't matter is, is the point. And so really don't overthink it. Uh, Venom has is, is got them ca- captive and he is saying Richard and Mary Parker, the parents of Peter Parker, in case we didn't know that, no more for now you belong to us. And so he's kind of being threatening. But then when they, they talk to him a little bit, he, he says like, wait, you didn't, you mean he didn't tell you like he's like because he doesn't know they have anything he's like what do we what do you have to do with spider-man because he's like oh they they don't know we won't tell you either like he doesn't know that he's kind of like spider-man's son or cousin or something weird like that uh in a way uh due to his origin story but basically in the end here he says that he's actually holding them captive to keep them safe from spider-man because he believes that spider-man is a dangerous menace so as always uh and as always with any good villain anyway the villain doesn't think he's doing something villainous. He thinks he's doing something heroic. At the same time, if you're tying some people up and they're screaming and you know crying for their life, maybe you should think twice about whether that's actually the right thing. Remzo, any commentary on, on Venom's uh, <laughs> sense of ethics here? You're muted. Oh, well, come on. We're live, pal. <laughs> Venom used to be bad. Okay. It's like what? Mr. Mackey. Venom used to be bad. Used to make bad decisions. Yeah, but he's getting better. He's working on it. Uh, meanwhile, Spidey, and I, I like how they often did this with Spider-Man, uh, whether it was, if you remember in Maximum Carnage, he had the taped ribs the whole time, like Diamond Dallas Page in WCW in the 90s. And here he has his shredded Spider-Man costume from his previous encounter with Venom in the last issue. So uh, I always love the, a little bit of continuity, at least within certain storylines that uh, with Spider-Man, when they show the effects of, of the battle, whether it's him being you know weary and dragged uh, beaten to the bone like he is in maximum carnage or whether it's just his costume still being ripped because he hasn't had time you know to, to knit himself a new one uh, I, I always enjoy that aspect of spider-man which I, I feel like they don't do often enough in superhero books well sometimes they do it too egregiously where it's like they're just messing up costumes just to make up for like bad fights and weak stories and when they don't do it it makes it almost seem kind of counterproductive as well because it's like you want to you want to have us think that you know all this crazy shit is going down these guys are getting like sent through walls and stabbed and stuff but there's not like a single scratch on them yep yep so that being said uh spider-man is basically just web slinging around and worrying about his parents right now just i guess just just aimlessly slinging around the city like he's just gonna randomly spot them meanwhile we see that j jonah jameson is calling on someone for a special job. And that someone is someone I'm going to put you on the spot for right now. Remzo, what can you tell me about Silver Sable and the Wild Pack? Silver Sable is the leader of the mercenary group, the Wild Pack from the country. I can never pronounce it. Uh, Samaria, Samarian. She's a, she's a Simcarian. Anyway, she's from a foreign fake country. She's from some made up country. Yes. Yeah. And basically, uh, she is not only the daughter of the current president, well, former president, depending on where you look at continuity, but she is the country's only export, which means if she's not working, there's literally no GDP. <laughs> we have one product. We have one is product. This, it's this specific mercenary group. <laughs> that's like that's like send if, help. That's like if Germany would take was taking responsibility for the Wagner Group right now in Russia. <laughs> it's just kind of awkward. It's so, all yeah. we have. 
But uh, she, she, you know, she started off as a foe. Then she later turned into a very loyal ally of Spider-Man. They've always had this will they, won't they love interest thing going on. And uh, yeah, no, throughout the 90s, she was always there. She's one of the few people that can actually evade most of his spider sense. So that she's pretty dastardly. All right. And uh, Peter is on the hunt for his parents and he knows that Venom has has him. So he decides to do his own little investigation into the past of Eddie Brock. And he figures out uh, that there's this lawyer that was working with Eddie Brock. But that lawyer, her original last name was Brock. So he realized this is his wife or his ex-wife. So he's like, fuck ethics, uh, fuck superhero ethics. I'm going to break into this bitch's house and end up having coffee with her once once, once I scare her real good. Uh, breaking and entering is just fine. You could at least knock. You could at least knock. Nope. It's New York. Come on. Anyway, moments later, after she calms down from having a, a, a shredded, uh, shredded suited Spider-Man break into her house, they are having coffee, and she's telling her all about Eddie Brock, who really was a great guy when he was younger. He just wanted to just wanted to do good and you know be a star reporter. He was disgraced. I don't remember the exact story of why he was disgraced. I think it was in some storyline involving Spider-Man, but um, that was kind of the moment that he cracked. And then yada yada, he became Venom or whatever. So, but basically, he says he, he finds out that. Yeah, you know, there's something to Eddie Brock. Like maybe he's not such a bad guy, you know, that at least the seeds are planted of it. So he heads off and uh, is uh, going to go. He She tells him something about this this carnival as happens in these stories, this this fair or something that like is where they first met and meant something to them. So, of course, because of this one story, Spider-Man goes, oh, yeah, he must have taken him to this place. Because what do you think of this trope? And not just in comics. This is a very, very common storyline trope in movies, TV shows uh, when there's an investigation and then they find some, you know, some random old man or something that has some story from 30 years ago. And he mentions a place and then they say, oh, then he must be in that place. And then lo and behold, they always are in that place. It, that it's such a it, it's such a cop out. It's you very also, lazy writing. Yeah, I mean, you see this of almost every like murder mystery when some guy like kills his wife or his friends for the death of his mm-hmm. wife. It's like, oh, go back to where they first met. He must be hiding out at the abandoned pier or something like that. Because that's yeah. how we decide where to where to like take our bodies and, and and whatnot. We think of our fondest memory and then we take the person to that place and wait and we just wait. Yeah, because that's up. totally how people work. Indeed. Well, it it is how Eddie Brock works apparently because because he didn't he did he is indeed uh, holding Peter Parker's parents, not really parents, at uh, whatever this place is the uh, the fair and whatnot. Now, um, so Peter Parker is there just kind of looking around, and then he is confronted by Eddie Brock. Now, this is a. Uh, I kind of what did you think of this part where Eddie confronts him kind of as Eddie, not as Venom, but in this he almost looks like the Punisher with his like leather jacket, but it has the Venom symbol on it. What did you think of just the the sort of like I'm half Eddie Brock, half Venom sort of appearance here? You know, it takes a bit longer in the comics, but I think they did it really well in the 90s Spider-Man animated series, because what you see a lot of is this. um duality and and you got this a lot with the with with the donny cates venom series this duality between who is really in charge the venom symbiote or eddie brock because very early on they try and make it seem like much like how it was with peter parker the symbiote is bringing out his worst tendencies the symbiote is evil the symbiote is trying to control him which is why spider-man has to get rid of it which is why when it goes to eddie brock it makes brock into the supervillain but I don't know if this was by intention or if this was just how things kind of worked out, but 
they they constantly try and make this case for Eddie Brock being the better half, that Venom is the one making him worse, which is why like 20 something years later, now it's like Venom, you know, it's it, it was in his nature, but it wasn't always like his intention. Like he didn't really care. He didn't have a sense of morality, which is why Eddie basically had to teach Venom, the symbiote, how to be a hero. The movies really make this clear. So I think by having a see his face, it's constantly trying to you know set that reminder in there. It's like Venom and Eddie Brock are not the same person, much like Spider-Man is Peter Parker, much like I'll use your Punisher example. The Punisher is Frank Castle. Eddie Brock and Venom are two distinct personalities. They are two distinct characters working in a symbiotic relationship as one. So maybe I'm thinking too much into it. Maybe it just looks artistically good. But that's what I always took from this. Yeah, and it's really clear from the dialogue that uh, he is always saying, whether he's in the Eddie face or the Venom face, he's always saying we. And uh, let me break down Eddie's logic to you, uh, his super villain on his way to being anti-hero logic. He says that the corrupting influence of Spider-Man, you know, they were innocent once too, until the corrupting influence of Spider-Man turned them sort of into, to do, you know, led them down a path of ending up doing some bad things too. So he's kind of blaming Spider-Man for even him coming in fairly, I guess. Spider-Man did bring it from alternate universe to here uh, for infecting him with the symbiote, which, and, and that whole situation led them to doing bad things is sort of his logic here. And he says his logic beyond this though, is that Richard and Mary Parker. Now, of course, once, now that we know they're clones, he's, maybe he's, right about this but at the time uh that they were better off in a russian prison because they were at least far away and safe from the from the corrupting influence of peter parker uh he's like but look we're gonna protect them from you so he's for what in his own twisted logic he they would be better off in a russian prison than they would be anywhere near uh your friendly neighborhood spider-man but just as venom is about to attack who appears lo and behold it is annie hello annie it is annie this is where they got the Annie from the movies, and that's about the only similarities they have in common. Um, and yeah, this kind of lets Venom take his guard down a little bit, go more into that sort of Eddie Brock mode. And you know, he's like, "Look, we're not what we used to be." And she's kind of trying, trying to like talk him down from the ledge a little bit. And just like it seems like, you know, he's she even says like, "Look, maybe we can have a new start for us. Maybe we can." And then right as he's sort of like thinking about, okay, maybe should I do something different here? He gets attacked by the Wild Pack because that was the mission that J. Jonah Jameson hired the Wild Pack for. In this case, it was to bring in Venom. So they get attacked by, and they are armed with these sonic weapons. By the way, how don't the who do the do the acolytes remind you of any other very generic Marvel team that we talked about in a review once? I want to see if you can uh, look at this like I am. Uh, All right, I'll 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 give it up. Force. You're not far. The the acolytes. Remember the acolytes from Fatal Attraction. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. 
Noom.com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com try. Go to shopify.com try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com try. They were Magneto's yeah. sort of little rogue group. They all head. they all just kind of look the same if you just take out like the color palettes. Like you always have goatee guy, nerd. These guys guy. all look like Forge. They look like they were modeled on yeah. Forge and then had different heads put on them. Yeah. Anyway, they're pretty lame, but they're lame. Bandana guy. Bandana. You always got to have one bandana guy. They are lame and they are armed with sonic weapons, which of course uh, is particularly harmful to Venom. That is his. Uh, the sonic weapons, the sound, and the fire. Those are Venom's weaknesses, as we all know. But instead of defending himself, uh, Venom actually just thinks that, oh, this must have been Peter Parker setting me up. So instead of going after the Wildback, he's going after Peter. He's going after Spider-Man. So now we have Spider-Man fighting Venom, Venom fighting Spider-Man, while he's also getting... Uh, attacked by these sonic weapons uh, of the of the wild pack. So Venom is, is kind of starting to get his ass kicked a little bit be- between Spider-Man, uh, who's really just trying to defend himself. He's not trying to go after Eddie Brock because he's also trying to sort of talk him down and say, like, look, I had nothing to do with this. I don't know what they're doing here. But uh, at this point, Venom, Venom has trust issues. I think it's safe to say. So That's he's a really pretty safe assumption. He's not buying this at all. Uh, just as they're about to strike another blow onto Venom, uh, Spider-Man jumps and attacks the Wildcat. So this is like very similar again uh, to what I discussed earlier, uh, how they'll turn someone face in professional wrestling. Uh, oftentimes they'll have two wrestlers that maybe they've been rivals for a long time, which also in a way builds the respect between the two of them. And the one that's going to be turned baby face, he might get attacked by some, uh, some common enemies of uh, the particular rival, uh, for example. Uh, so just to, you know, if you want to picture the eighties wrestling, uh, you could look at, there was a moment when, uh, Randy Savage turned face and he was being attacked by, um, I think honky tonk man, and a couple other wrestlers. And then there was somebody see- called the honky tonk man. There was, you don't know the honky tonk man, Remzo. Oh, he no. was great. He was an Elvis impersonator and a wrestler in one. And it was awesome. That's anyway, cool. they were beating up Macho man, Randy Savage. And then out comes Hulk Hogan to save him. And then they become best buds for a year. And, 
that kind of solidifies the face turn because now they're buddies with the very popular hero. So Macho Man, not only do you see him beat up, so you gain some sympathy for him, but then he is saved by your number one hero in Hulk Hogan. So I'm, yes, I'm comparing Spider-Man and Venom to Hulk Hogan and the Macho Man. It's actually a very apt comparison because Macho Man in the time was also a very sort of a, um, you know, dastardly heel. He, but he had a great, a very charismatic personality. He was cool, so to speak. And it was in the, the formula, the seeds were planted for him to become popular immediately uh by just making a little tweak just like they are with venom here okay now i get all your wrestling terms now everything is coming together now eventually you're going to become a wrestling fan just because just from all these comparisons someday you you know what's funny is ever since the wwe and ufc was put in the same thing you have a lot of ufc commentators now commentating like they're commentating for the wwe and vice versa that much of a noticeable different difference already Oh yeah, they barely even signed the paper. The ink's barely dry. It's, it, I think it's a mental shift because now you have people calling, saying like Colby Covington is going through like his villain phase mm-hmm. and stuff like that, and and they're talking about uh, Conor McGregor's, um, you know, uh, uh, about face as a heel as he's trying to go through his. There you go. Now journey. you're using the terminology. Like, yeah. yeah. Now I'm starting like to get it. Here. So this is gonna. I'm, this is my all my quest to slowly transform this into a pro wrestling podcast, and you don't even realize it. One day you just look up and you're talking about WrestleMania four with me, and you don't even know what happened. We'll get there. The only the only time I've ever watched a full wrestling match was with Logan Paul in Abu Dhabi. That was about it. That was a great one against Roman Reigns. That was good. Yeah. What did you, you think as your first full wrestling match? That was fun. That it was, was fun. fun, right? Logan just, Paul is impressive. My my thing is like if I'm gonna watch people fight each other, I want to watch them like really fight each other. I think that's, I think that's, and that's not criticism or unless it's a comic book movie that's or it. unless it's a comic. Well, that's totally different. That's See, that's, but it's not mm, that's so wrestling mm. is like wrestling is like the, the middle ground between UFC and comic book fights. It's like, that's, it's the exact, exactly in the middle is where pro wrestling happens because okay. it has that comic book storyline sort of pizzazz. Uh, and then you combine it with the sort of real aspect of say a UFC. Cause there is a real aspect in the sense there's real humans doing real. Oh, yeah, they are really hitting each other. They aren't really hitting each other in the way that it appears they are, but they are really doing a lot of things that take a lot of tremendous amount of athleticism and a lot of things that broke his freaking knee. Exactly. So there you go. Uh, Do we just compare Logan Paul to Venom? Is that where we are? I think so. I think he's Eddie Brock. That may be where we are. Uh, Nonetheless, now we have a situation where Spider-Man and Venom haven't exactly teamed up because Venom still doesn't trust Spider-Man this whole time. He's like threatening Spider-Man while they're uh, cooperating to fight each other uh, against the wild pack. But eventually uh, Venom gets cornered, and again, this is this is really the moment that I would say uh, solidifies the face turn of Venom in this book. He's he's been taking a lot of damage because he's been fighting Spider Man. He gets attacked by the the but from behind by the Wild Pack. He's been hit with sonic weapons, and then they take out the flamethrower. And we all know that is the other uh, weakness that Venom has is to fire. And actually, the uh, the parents of Peter Parker, Richard and Mary Parker, they get surrounded by fire, and um. He sees this there. He's crying, he's chanting for help. And he's like, oh, no, they're surrounded by fire. One of the few things that, that can hurt us, perhaps even kill us. But we can't we can't just. And then you see Venom do something heroic. Even he's even though he's the one that, that put him in this situation in the first place. He jumps over the fire and saves Richard and Mary Parker from the fire. Uh, meanwhile, uh, just when you think, oh, it's all good now. We're, we're all friends here. No, uh, as Spider-Man is fighting the wild pack. Venom just bursts into this building and still he is still in a complete rage going after Spider-Man. So it's almost the moment where you think, okay, this is the moment where things get calm and they team up together. 
Al contrario, mon frere, it is not. Venom, uh, this is not a fast face turn. Venom is still feeling the rage and anger towards Spider-Man. So he goes right after Spider-Man once again. Speaking of what we said in the, in the beginning, that this is the final confrontation, this was before, I think this was at before Maximum Carnage, right? I believe this is, it was. This is before it, Maximum it is. Carnage because by the time Maximum Carnage comes out, he, Venom teams up with like Captain America and the New Warriors and Spider Man to take down the Carnage family. Yeah, and he had already done. Um, yeah, he had already done his miniseries and all that. That stuff. was after Le- so Lethal Protectors between the two. Right. So he. So even. So within like two years of this, they were fighting in Maximum Carnage once again. So anyway, that was the final confrontation. So um, now once again, Spider Man's like, all right, I've. I've had enough of this. He's just like, how do I get rid of this guy? So now Spider-Man and Venom are fighting each other once again. Um, and I think most of the wild pack has, has sort of been taken out by the two of them at one point. So now it's just back down to mano a mano, spider a symbiote as they are battling uh, through. I feel like we saw something similar to this battle, only not with Venom in like the first Spider-Man movie that was kind of like at, a, at an amusement park against Vulture. That's what kind of this kind of reminded me of because, you know, a lot of the equipment's coming down. Oh, you're talking about homecoming. Yeah, I'm yeah. not imagining that, right? That happened. Yeah, it happened. All right, cool. I'm not just uh, imagining things here, as I'm as I'm apt to do. Um, then we see Venom get the advantage on Spider-Man, and he starts taking him out. And then he he like covers Spider-Man's face in the symbiote and with his hand, so it's almost like Spider-Man is being suffocated. And then and then having his head like pounded into the steel cinder. Man, I don't know if a spider could take this. I think they're really. Exaggerating. I don't think a man could take this. <laughs> I think they're really stretching the limits of what I can believe having quote unquote spider strength does to you. Are spiders known as being particularly invulnerable as Not well? Not when and I step on them. I don't believe so. So no. I, I don't think that Peter Parker should be standing, let alone you know re- remaining a superhero after this. But nonetheless, um, he is he. Hey, man, listen, if Blue Beetle and Booster Gold can both survive Doomsday, but Doomsday can kill Superman, (laughs) Spider-Man can survive Venom. That is that is a damn good point. (laughs) And yeah, Venom is just uh, going after him and seemingly like he's about uh, about to pass out. Like Spider-Man is thinking to himself, like, you know, you know how they do the thing where the word balloon, the words get smaller and smaller as the character is losing consciousness and it gets stopped by this pesky wild wild packs are back the wild pack guy uh the forge the most forged looking wild pack guy uh shoots venom from behind and is just nailing him over and over with this sonic weapon uh he's just about to take him out and this is when he says after all our contract does stipulate dead or alive so he's basically saying fuck this i'm not playing around he's got venom where he wants him the symbiote has almost come off entirely as happens when it's hit with enough uh sonic weaponry and just as he's about to deliver uh, as fake forge here is about to deliver the final blast of his sonic weapon from behind. He gets hit by a baseball bat. Oh my gosh. Who is it? It's Annie. Annie has made her face turn, joined Eddie Brock on the face turn again, reminiscent of macho man, because one thing that solidified now macho man was already with miss Elizabeth as, when he was a heel earlier, when he was a bad guy. And part of his character was that he treated her like shit. They even implied, they even, even one Later down the line, there even was a moment where he actually slapped Miss Elizabeth in WCW, which I can't believe was on TV, but that happened. Uh, so they always kind of portrayed Macho Man as abusive towards Mr. Uh, Mrs. Elizabeth, which they do not do with Eddie Brock uh, anyway. So, But n- nonetheless, the point remains, having the love of a, a beautiful lady at your side who is, who is on the path with you, who is also trying to do the right thing, uh, not a bad element to have when you're trying to uh, you know earn some sympathy with the character as well. So uh, she shellacks this guy and he's and uh, Venom or Eddie Brock says, thanks, Annie. 
Thanks, Annie. Thanks, You're Annie. an angel. Now, where were we? So even again, even after all this, once again, he's just ready to go after Spider-Man. Like he just cannot get over his his rage, his his heart on for wanting to take out Spider-Man. And uh, and Annie's rushing to him. She's like, I do, I don't believe this. Like I just defended you. I just like saved your life just so you could go kill someone. She's like, she's like, I've got to stop it. Like I got to go get some help. I'm done with this. And right as she's running away, one of these. Um, amusement park rides like the ferris wheel or something it's that they have damaged was about to fall apart uh so it's collapsing and of course it's about to collapse onto annie and then eddie brock who again i say eddie brock he's still venom but he's barely got a venom suit on he's basically a naked eddie brock that has you know, a, a few splotches of symbiote on him left because they're so damaged uh from the sonic weaponry of the wild pack uh, but he he dives in there. He stops it. He is able, and then it looks like he's about to about to be able to get it himself. But who comes in and helps him? Spider Man. Spider Man. And this is where Eddie and Spider Man together throw this Ferris wheel that I hope they have some plans to pay for or, or something here because I, I assume some innocent uh, entrepreneur Listen, owns property this damage owns this. does not exist in the Marvel universe. All right. I want to. I mean, it I wanna, does, except no one has to pay for it. I want to start a comic book called Property Damage, and it's just it's just about accounting. It's just about it's about an accountant who his he, he works for the firm that always has to go through all the damage. That, of, that's that's damage control. Oh, that's damage control. That's right? damage control. that already exists. No, yeah. Damn. All right. Well, never mind. No, but mine would be more boring than that. Mine would literally just be a guy in an office constantly sighing and and, and sweating over. Ah, shucks. The Avengers blew up another planet. Yep. Yeah, it's like a weekly comic strip, and it just ends with this with the same exact thing. Ben time. Grimm totaled a fire truck. This is my pitch. Property damage. Call me if anyone's interested. Um, and then even again after all this, dude, this is like this, at some point it becomes like a Family Guy joke when it just keeps happening over and over and over. And he's like, you know, Annie, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I think so. Annie, are you okay? And are you goes, okay, Annie? And then and, and Annie, are you okay? Ooh, wow. And right as he's, he's like Eddie Brock with mostly Venom back at this point, I guess he gained all the Venom power back while they were, you know, pushing this thing off. And then he says, the Venom face comes back on. He says, wonderful, because all that every, all that exercise has given us quite an appetite. And she's like, oh my God, again. <laughs> she's like, blast it, which is a, a favorite term of mine from comics that you never hear in real life. Blast it, Eddie. Blast it, Eddie. They say you're crazy, but you've never been stupid. Do you see what Spider-Man just did? Like he's in it. And he's like, finally thinking about it for a second. He's like, he, uh, help me out here. He, he saved, he saved an innocent life at a yes. Just like he always does. Just like you do. And then Eddie says, wait a minute. <laughs> he's like, this is, you ever see the meme of, uh, what's his name? Uh, you know, the guy from the hangover with the beard, but it's the meme from when he has all the math in front of him and he's calculating Oh, the rain oh. man one. Yeah, no, you know what I'm talking about. Everyone yeah, knows counting cards. Anyway, yeah. that's how that's what I picture Eddie Brock doing uh, oh, right Spider Man saved her, therefore I should not eat Spider Man. Yeah, he's like innocent lives minus Spider Man equals more debt, and he's like, oh, so if we killed him now, all the innocents that he might save in the future would die. Therefore, it's like it's like next line. Therefore, uh, thank you, Annie. We were blind, but now we see. All right, Spider-Man, let's make a deal. And this is a cool panel again when, when Venom just he kind of venoms up, sticks the tongue out and and the teeth out and just looks looks his most venom. So this is where you know Venom maintains his personality and his character here. He is still somewhat villainous in his mannerisms, but he comes to an agreement with Spider-Man. And this is the deal that he offers, um, which again doesn't last terribly long. 
Uh, you don't come after us, and we won't come after you. Fair enough. And Spidey says, uh, well, he's thinking to himself, can I live with that? I don't know. And because he honestly is, he, you know, he has seen Eddie being a villain for years. He has only seen him as a villain. He says, can I live with that for me, for my family, to be free of Venom forever? He's like, but that would be a, a, a pretty good deal. So, all right, all right, done. So Venom takes off. He says, parting is such sweet sorrow. We can just taste it. So sweet. And um, he just, and he, still Spider-Man is kind of thinking to himself, you know, can I really, can I really just let this guy roam free? And he shoots his, a little spider tracker onto his ankle, which then Eddie says, ah, ha, ha, first class only. And, and he just shucks it off with his little symbiote. He's like, ah, so Spider-Man still thinks he's going to have a tracker on him. I don't know. He'll probably figure out soon that it didn't go very far, but I like that even, even with the deal, even with them coming to this agreement, and look, they don't become friends here. They're never friends, uh, you no. could argue. Uh, they're pretty much always rivals and always distrustful of each other, with it, which I do like that they sort of always maintain that animosity toward each other because their their origins are tied in together uh, and their entire story is tied in together. But they've they've had an animo- uh, um, an animosity. What, what's the uh, a few? The, yes, they've had a few. But I was trying to use animosity as a as a anyway. The attempt a, was made. Anyway, I don't, I'm not here for English, all right? I'm here to talk about comics. Uh, they've always had this sort of animosity between them. So it would be silly if suddenly it, you were seeing the Spidey and Venom, you know, two on two for one team up books and they were just a happy go lucky friends from now on. That really never happened. So I do like that their relationship in the comics always m- maintains a little tension between it, even when they are battling on the same side. And often they find themselves uh, on the opposite side of things. And that's a uh, kind of Spider Man's conclusion as he goes and finishes his evening with uh, your favorite Spider-Man, a love lover is uh, of course, Mary Jane, oh. as everybody knows. Uh, and uh, yeah, this sets up a couple things, uh, but mostly what it sets up here is the, well, there's going to be a lot more to come with clones in Spider-Man's world in the later nineties. Maybe that's something we'll talk about at some point if we get brave enough. Uh, but it also of course sets up Eddie Brock's uh, lethal protector miniseries, which is a, uh, I don't know if it's fairly re- well regarded for its writing, but it's a. I think like the issue one of that is a still a still a it's, relatively. It's, it's uh, notable for it's marking notable. A, di- yes. a distinct change in Venom's trajectory. So, we'll we'll grade the issue, you know, as we normally do. But I also want to get your thoughts on sort of the how this launched Venom as his own character in the '90s, and and whether you would say it was successful or not overall. Um, Take that however you want. You can do the grades first if you like. I say as a character, what this does is this definitely solidifies that he can he will he will almost always be remembered for his villainous origins, but more notably, he he authentically has a turn that many villains or many anti-villains don't get, which is they are in the anti-hero category firmly but they can drift back in every, in every animated series. Venom is always a villain and every video game. Venom is always a villain in every um, dimensional spinoff, ultimate comics, multiverse, whatever. Venom is always almost a bad guy, but in terms of main continuity, in terms of how the public perceives some things to the movies, he is an anti-hero through and through and in the comics primarily thanks to donny cates um they've solidified that i think for the future i don't think venom in the comics ever goes back to full villainy 
Um, so in terms of this specific issue, I love the Bagley Arpa as we discussed in uh, past Spider-Man episodes, such as Maximum Carnage. This is not my favorite version of Bagley. If you want to see my favorite version of Bagley and see how I ranked his artwork, then you got to go back to some of our ultimate Spider-Man episodes way yonder back second or below in your archived feed on your podcaster of choice. Um, it's not my favorite. It's a little bit, um, in that nineties era type of coloring and everything i think his rendering of characters is pretty much how he will always be defined as how he draws people um i'm giving it i'm giving it a three in terms of story though in terms of story though it's um you gave your favorite spider-man artist a three this isn't my favorite version of him all right no this isn't Um, i have time for a rebuttal i'll wait yeah no i've I've been pretty consistent there's 90s bagley and then there's ultimate comics bagley and they're very different. Um, not not so different, but like there's a distinct difference. Um, in terms of the story, like it's a, it's a lot of action. Uh, the dialogue is very '90s kitschy. Uh, I I don't I don't like some of the pacing. I'll be honest with that. I don't know if that was a writer thing or an art thing. I'm gonna go ahead and give this specific issue. I'm gonna give it a 2.5. I'm giving this a 5.5 out of. 10. Wow. I don't, I, I don't like this. I mean, it's just, it's just okay, but it's like a step below. Okay. Because something just doesn't click for me. And just knowing that this is, while this is a pivotal role in Venom's character trajectory, it's certainly not because it was for the memorable writing or because of the memorable artwork. And I still hate that it has to be tied to the whole clone shit with the parents, <laughs> which gets resolved. Like, I think five issues from now where they finally bring out everything going on with the red skull and how it was a plot and all this other shit. It's just, it's just wrong. And this leads into the clone era where they kill aunt may and then they do all that wild shit. I hate it. I just, th- that taints everything about this. And we still see the ramifications of it. Every few years we get a Ben Riley, which one's the clone, which one's not sort of like, Oh, Ben Riley's line. a psycho now. Oh no. Now he's a hero. No, he's a psycho again. No, he's a hero. No, he's chasm. Now he currently is the clone still, right? That's still what he is. Ben Riley is the clone. Okay. Anyway. Um, okay. So what's your 5.5? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So this is going to be interesting. So three for uh, art, 2.5 for writing. I'll address the writing first because I, I was going to give it a fairly high score, uh, relatively speaking. On, judge on the 90s Spider-Man sort of curve. Uh, I was going to give the writing a four. However, you made a good point, and I'm going to I'm going to factor this in. Anything involving anything related to clones and any of this bullshit with Spider-Man's parents deserves a grade down just for that inclusion. So I'm going to knock the four down to a 3.5. But overall, I do like the storyline. Uh, yes, it's not, it's no Shakespeare. There's no Neil Gaiman or no Alan Moore. Someone name on name, but uh, it is, it is a decent way to, I think he does a pretty good job of sort of giving us the character of Venom, showing us why he's villainous, but also showing we, him why he has that human element of it and giving him enough sympathy uh, between the lady and whatnot and saving Spider-Man's parents to to buy him as not a hero, but at least an anti-hero, which is really what they were turning him into while still giving him that main edge, while he's still leaving sort of threatening Spider-Man on the way out. Uh, I thought it was relatively well done. So again, because of the clone inclusion, 3.5. Uh, unlike you, this is my favorite Bagley. I love 90s Spider-Man Bagley. And I like it better than Ultimate 2000s Bigly. So I'm giving the art a four. So this puppy still gets a 7.5 for me. This is one of our bigger gaps. 
Surprisingly so. I thought you would be more on my ends, but I, I see where you're coming from. And I, I think it's good that that a few years ago was when we covered um, Maximum Carnage. And that's when you saw a lot of different writers and a lot of different of the Spider-Man titles and uh, Bagley with like three other artists. This is um, such a better Spider-Man and Venom story than Maximum Carnage. Oh my Carnage. gosh, yes. Nice one. Simple, straightforward. You know what's going on. Um, there's shades of gray with Venom, but it's otherwise fairly straightforward. Whereas that is just a mess. What is yeah. that? Episode seven? Something like that. I think I'm pretty consistent with how I ranked his artwork then. And then how I also compared it when it, when it came to the ultimate stuff. I mean, it's just it, at the end of the day, it's a matter of preference. But I mean, it's it's also one of those things where it's like other than Mark Bagley, the only other person who has touched Spider-Man across multiple titles over three decades is John Romita Jr., who is my second favorite Spider-Man artist. I know some people hate him, but he like, might end up at my number one if I really sat down and, and thought really? about it. I don't know. It might be him yeah. or McFarlane. I mean, it's 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 really uh, McFarlane. Such, I'd say is my three because I such like a different I like, style. I like some of his stuff. I don't like all of his stuff for Spider-Man. But I mean, he also is the person who like when we think of how like Spider-Man moves and his positions and stuff like that, like that was McFarlane. I mean, we should we should do an episode just covering the artist one day. That would maybe we should talk about this subject in our journey into mystery call for our $15 patrons and up there. We're having as soon as we hop off this uh, this live stream right now, at least it's live for our patrons. Just another perk you can get over at second print no at patreon.com slash second print pod or you can find the links as well i wasn't totally wrong at secondprintcomics.com. anyway for as little as five bucks a month you get tons of bonus content early access to every single episode live streams of many of those uh as well as bonus content including the aforementioned degenerate panel i just did an episode of what mark missed that i brushed out of the old uh i don't know the tool shed the woodshed. I brushed it out of somewhere and reviewed uh, Identity Crisis from DC. Thanks again to our patrons for helping us purchase the DC Infinite Infinite app, uh, where I read that one. So, uh, and of course, I'm also going through Case of the Runs, looking at Jeff Johns JSA, uh, all sorts of stuff. We got a Guardians of the Galaxy review. I still haven't seen it yet, but uh, Re- Young Remzo, along with our friend Caleb Franz, reviewed that one. Just a plethora of content. Again, as little as five measly bucks a month. Almost the cost. This one was 375, even in 93 Remzo. So for, for almost a 1993 special edition Spider-Man book that doesn't even have extra pages, by the way, it just has that glossy cover. That was it. That's mm. all you got from this thing. Muchos dineros. Anyway, give us money. That's, that's how we end every show. If you want, but and if not, you can, leave us a five, you can leave us a five-star <laughs> rating and a great review on Apple podcast. That's the free way to help us. And uh, if nothing else, remember this, carry it with you. Say it to your children before you put Every them night. to bed. Say it to your lover as you're doing your thing. Read comics and change, and change the, the world. world. Good night, America. Adios. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.